0: hey everyone it's ron johnson and this is the ron johnson show on the locked on sports minnesota podcast network on today's show we got to talk about it the vikings finally broke a trend offensively there was something going on with this team that i thought was going to hold them back but they found a way to get it done this past weekend coming up next on the ron johnson show
1: locked on sports minnesota podcasts it's endless minnesota vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts now the ron johnson show on the field in the broadcast booth ron johnson is minnesota sports he's played with them hung out with them and grown up with all the big names in minnesota sports they're hanging out with ron johnson it's the ron johnson show on
2: the locked on sports minnesota podcast and it starts now
0: as i mentioned on today's show we're gonna have to talk about this trend that the vikings were in and it was gonna hold them back eventually could have bit them in the butt this game against the Cardinals. But it didn't. They found a way to get out of it somehow, some way. But before we jump into that, remember, you can now find Locked On Sports Minnesota on Amazon Fire and Roku. Download the Locked On Sports Minnesota app to get all your favorite shows. Well, as I bring Sam Extraman, my producer to the show, uh, Sam, there was a trend uh, and we're going to break it down a little bit more this week, but, but, but without getting too far in the weeds, because we have a really good show today, Pierre Garçon, former uh, Washington uh, football player, receiver, now commanders. Uh, he also played for the Indianapolis Coach and that's where Pierre and I crossed paths. I was his coach, uh, his rookie year, and second year I was able to help uh, this young guy in the off season. I helped him during training camp and uh, just watched him grow. And uh, over the years, I think he went to the 49ers as well. Over the years, just been mm-hmm. proud of him. Uh, so so excited to have him on the show today to kind of chop it up. He played for Kirk Cousins or played with Kirk Cousins, uh, but also played with Peyton Manning, coached by Tony Dungy. So he knows about the whole transition from Tony Dungy to Jim Caldwell, all that kind of stuff. Pierre Garçon is going to be able to tell us about that. But Sam, there was a trend. And, and the stats I looked at yesterday, and I left my, my, my notebook. Um, I, I grabbed the wrong one. I grabbed my Gophers notebook by mistake. But they're in my head. The Vikings were the worst offense in the NFL in the third quarter. They were 32nd in just about every metric. When you look at them all, touchdowns, this is the one that got me. Touchdowns scored in the third quarter. There were two teams in the NFL that had not scored a touchdown in the third quarter through six games. Sam, do you know who the other team was?
2: The Bears, just to guess.
0: No, that's what's even scarier. Not even the (laughs) the Bears even scored a touchdown in the third quarter. The one team, and and I'm going to give you a hint, he's dangerous.
2: Oh, the Broncos. Yeah, the Broncos.
0: The Danger Witch, Danger Russ. They hadn't scored, and I, don't, and I haven't checked about this past weekend. I know they won, so maybe they finally scored as well in the third quarter. I haven't looked at theirs, but had not scored a touchdown in the third quarter. That is a. Bit, there were two teams. That is not the team you want to be with, but the big difference is the Vikings were 5-1, and one not scoring a touchdown in the third quarter, and the Broncos were trash. What did the Vikings do this game? They scored two, two touchdowns in the third quarter. Yes, one off interception, big time interception, gave them great field position, but it doesn't matter. They found a way to punch it in. They found a way not to turn the ball back over. When you look at the Buffalo Bills and the Packers, that was, it was like a ping pong game of, 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 uh, interceptions at one point where it was like, you throw an interception. Nope. I'm going to throw an interception. You throw an interception. No, I want to turn the ball over. The Vikings found a way. And why was that important? Without those third quarter scores, they lose that game. Let's be real without scoring in the third quarter this past game, 14 points in the third quarter, they lose. They would have lost that game. I mean, just think about that. It would have been in the fourth quarter down because they would have had those two touchdowns and they would have had to have a comeback drive. And maybe, maybe Kirk Cousins could have gotten it done, but maybe not. 26 to 34, final score, eight point difference. So you remove those 14 points, they would have been down By six, Sam, it would have been 20 to 26 in the fourth quarter. And Kirk Cousins would have had to create some magic to try to win that game 27 to 26. And maybe it's different because again, the butterfly effect in these games, if they are, if it is a 26 to 20 game, or, you know, even go back further than that, maybe the Cardinals start going for two, like, hey, let's make sure we put this thing, uh, you know, a full score in front of the Vikings, let's go up 27, you know, to 20, to 20. Or, or, you know, let's go for two earlier and go up by eight and force their hand to have to go for two in the end and we maybe can win it. Like, you just don't know what's going to happen in those situations. And this game was closer than it should have been. But, Sam, that's, that's my take for the day, is that the Vikings broke a trend. They also broke another trend. In the past, when an extra point by the Vikings had been missed or an easy field goal, but, man, let's go extra point because those are makeable. They end up winning. They, sorry, they end up losing. I'll give you a weird stat before I let you go. 50 to 59 yarders. Our kicker is one for six from 50 to 59 yards. Now, he's perfect 49 and in, but it's weird because he's not making extra points. He's missed a few. But he is making every other field goal. So, it's got to be a mindset thing there. But then the 50 to 59ers, <sighs> I mean, I got to look at the exact distances, because if they're 58, 59, I get it. But this is the problem. And, and if, if other kickers are just making 50s and 51s and 52s, and we're not getting 51s 52s, but other kickers are 5 for 5. Daniel Carlson is perfect. There's kickers out there 4 for 5. 5 for 5. 4 for 6. Our kicker's the worst at 1 for 6 from 50 to 59. Like, it's not good. But Sam, what what, what did you see this weekend?
2: Yeah. If you want to give out a few lumps of coal, like the kicking situation, not great. Uh, Ed Ingram, rough game. Cam Dantzler had a hard time with D-Hop. Who doesn't? But I thought there were so many small heroes in this game across the board, whether it's Patrick Peterson showing up big, Zedarius Smith with three sacks, Jordan Hicks with a huge tackle on fourth down, five different touchdown scorers on offense, another special team's turnover forced. This was a well-rounded Vikings win. And I actually feel better, Ron, about this win than I did about any of the previous four. I feel like Arizona was an offense waiting to explode. They had 42 points when they got Hopkins back. Scored 26 yesterday. That's a dangerous team. Um, And the Vikings got an eight-point win against a team that I think is going to hassle a lot of opponents in the second half of the season like the cardinals may not make the playoffs but i still think they have a high ceiling with murray and his mobility and those receiving weapons and i think that's a win that the vikings can be proud of when you score five times in the red zone when your defense turns them over three times in the second half and gets four sacks against a super mobile quarterback there's so much good stuff there to cling to that I feel pretty good about this win, and and I, I don't feel like we're walking away saying, well, the you know the defense was fine, but the offense was terrible, or the offense was right. fine, but the defense was terrible. I think we can walk away saying everybody did a pretty nice job yesterday, and, and that's the type of football you want to see going forward. And, and I know that you look at the 26 points allowed. It's not great, but the way they got there and, and the big plays that they made along the way – um, I think that you can, you can live with that. That was a high-scoring football game, and the Vikings you know, kept the Cardinals at bay when they needed to.
0: Yeah, when you think about this game, again, it's a win. They're 6-1. Uh, watching other people try to break this game down, they have no idea. They're like, oh, the Minnesota Vikings lost one game. Uh, who can Philly lose? And then they're like, oh, wait, Philly beat Minnesota. Uh, let me go back and look at who they played. In- oh, wait, they played the commander? You know, like, just, just let the Vikings be. Like, don't try to jump on the train now. Cause they're six and one, and you want to add them to your shows now. Like, just leave it alone. Cause we don't need the jinx. We don't need the people. Everybody bringing it. Nobody recognized or understood the six and one Vikings right now. Every like, let's leave them in the like, leave them in the shadows. I want them to be in the shadows like Batman. And just when it's time, then they'll jump out there and let you know they were there. But we don't need all that. We don't need. People to understand and try to break it down because the more you break it down the more holes you want to pick into it the more the more you know times you want to say oh well they could have been better here kirk cousins this and blah blah, blah and prime time that and it doesn't matter they're six and one the packers are three and five the Bears are three and five and the lions are trash and so when you think about that it, it it like the nfc north is really just there on a platter like it would have to be the one of the biggest meltdowns in nfl history them to lose the nfc north at this point but it can happen we know that aaron Rodgers is never you can never let us sleep you know never never poke a bear because if he gets a a receiver tomorrow in this trade i know they're trying to find him a receiver because you saw what he did with romeo dubs he's like if i had one more guy you know alan lazar is not healthy you know he's, he's he's missing a guy but when you think about it it's there the commanders now they can go seven and one cowboys you never really know then the giants you know, I mean, the Jets, I mean, you got so many different games coming up that it's like, hmm, now the Bills, I skipped over the Bills on purpose because that's one where it's a 50-50. And coming up next, I'm excited about the Hangover Ron Johnson segment. I got Pierre Garçon, former uh, Commanders receiver, Indianapolis Colt. That's where Pierre and I met. I was his coach for a couple years there with Tony Dungy and then Jim Caldwell. Uh, learned a ton from it. Appreciate my time as a coach. I'll kind of tell that story of why I got out of coaching and went to the Big Ten Network after leaving the Colts. But I want you guys to remember, check out the Minnesota football party on Mondays and Thursdays. Get your Vikings fix with Arif Hasan, Luke Inman, Luke Braun, and Sam Ekstrom on Locked On Sports Minnesota. And now we have a word from our sponsors.
2: BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest lines at BetOnline.net, the up-to-date scores and in-depth analysis on every game. I'm taking a look at that Vikings commanders line for next Sunday. Over under 44 and a half. Vikings favored by three and a half on the road in Washington next Sunday at noon. We're going to be watching that line all week long on the Ron Johnson Show. And BetOnline.net continues to be your top source for sports wagering info. Football, basketball, baseball, hockey, MMA, boxing, and golf. Everything is there at BetOnline.net. Check it out on your mobile device. BetOnline, where the game starts. So as
0: promised, Pierre Garçon. I mean, it is Commander's Week, Vikings playing Commanders. So I'm like, who can I reach out to? I, I talked to Santana Moss. Hopefully we can find a time to work for him this week. We got Pierre Garcon, you know, the commander, the, 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 the receiver that went there and everybody's like, man, who is this kid that worked with Peyton Manning? And as I bring Pierre to the show, yeah. I want to thank you for joining me on the Ron Johnson show. Uh, P, I got to say, man. Oh, it's my pleasure. Uh, you, my pleasure. You as a rookie, you as a rookie uh, out of Mount Union. I remember when yes. they uh, when they first hired me to come in, and they're like, yep, yeah, we got this. We, we drafted this kid out of Mount Union. We got some Ohio State guys. You know, we got Roy Hall. We got Anthony Gonzalez. Uh-huh. But, you know, when you work with him, Ron, let us know what you think. And I remember Peyton Manning would send us the messages like, hey, I'm, I want to get some receivers every day. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and Pierre would be one of them every once in a while. Go out there at 6 a.m. or whatever time Peyton. I mean, Peyton was crazy. Whenever time Peyton would ask yeah. him to be there, Pierre was one of the guys always willing to be there. Uh, Pierre, tell me early on. Because I remember, I got the, I I mean, I don't know if I can get it on this show because it's DVD. Like, this is like old school. (laughs) Uh, Shut up. But you and I, Mm -hmm. man, we went out there one day at like 2 or 3 p.m. after everybody was gone, everything was done. It was just you, me, camera guy. And you were working on like footwork. You were working on head, shoulder, trying to see what the DBCs. What drove you to want to work that hard?
1: Oh, man, it was actually just being in a perfect environment with great receivers in front of me, a great quarterback, and seeing those guys produce on the field on Sundays, it was the perfect scenario to follow through on.
0: And you look at Hall of Fame. I mean, you had a Hall mm-hmm. of Fame coach, mm-hmm. Hall of Fame quarterback, mm-hmm. yes. Hall of Fame exactly. running back. You got yes. Hall of Fame yes. receivers because Reggie's going, it's coming. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, we know that. We I know, know what she's deserved. Oh, yeah, it's coming. It's mm-hmm. coming. You, I know what I learned from Reggie and Marvin. But what did you learn from Reggie oh, yeah. and Marvin Harrison? Reggie and Reggie Wayne. For those that don't know, from the coach and Marvin Harrison. What did you learn from those two guys? The, the
1: thing I learned from those guys were how professional they were. They were on their jobs. They knew every distance. They knew everything that they needed to know about their route, about the defense, about you know what the team is asking them doing. If we had to be at twelve yards, it was twelve yards. If we had to be at five yards. We had to be at five yards. It had to be a hot. We knew, they knew everything inside and out about the playbook, and that's how I want it to be. And I know that they practiced on it. It just didn't happen. They worked on it. They consistently thought about it. And those guys were professional, and that's what he taught me the most was how to be a professional.
0: And, and think about Clyde Christensen. You know, Clyde Christian was a receivers oh, yes. coach. He moved on to assistant. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. I guess, I don't even know what that, that job, it was a weird year, but I know he got weird, but he moved mm-hmm. on to like assistant, offensive coordinator. I came in to help out with mm-hmm. the receivers while he had to do the offensive duties. Um, but having mm-hmm. a guy like Clyde Christensen, Tony Dungy, um, you know, mm-hmm. the way they carried themselves, Frank Wright came in at that time. Uh, what, yes. what was that coaching staff like
1: for you? Oh, uh, It was amazing. Those guys were like father figures to me. All of them were great guys, great human beings. And I still stay in contact with all of them now. But those guys were well established. They were, you know, it was business. It was all about taking care of the football, being aligned correctly. It was, it was only focusing on football, which was a great environment for me and what helped me succeed. It.
0: And now looking at Kirk Cousins, because you played with Kirk, yes. You. And uh, mm-hmm. Kirk's great got a new guy. coach, great Kevin guy. O'Connell. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and and I mm-hmm. think were you were you there 2015 we're, or were you had you moved on
1: with O'Connell? Yeah, with there with yep, O'Connell, yep, yep. there with Kirk. Yep. You know, I spent a lot of time yeah, with these so guys. so Kevin. O- great guys,
0: great guys. So we'll talk about Kevin in a minute, but let's go with Kirk. Kirk's mm-hmm. loosened up. Kevin O'Connell's gotten Kirk to come out of the shell. He's on the plane now. He's throwing on diamond gold
1: chains. <laughs> I saw that. Uh, he's he still
0: got the t-shirt tucked in the in the sweatpants. We can't change that. But Kirk but he is Kirk. wearing sweatpants. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And there's mm-hmm. a rumor because Justin Jefferson got the gold grill with the diamonds in it. Mm-hmm. There's a rumor yes. that somebody has ordered Kirk Cousins a grill. We don't know if it's going to happen or not, but I heard he might put on the grill at some point. I don't know when they like it. I don't know if that's winning the NFC championship. I don't know what that is, but I've heard a grill. I, is coming. I can't wait to see that. Uh, I can't wait to see that. Would you have ever thought the Kirk Cousins from Washington would be this loosey goosey uh, Kirk Cousins on the plane, you know, just having fun, hanging out with the guys for social media? Uh,
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Kirk. Kirk's a, a very well-rounded guy. You know, Kirk is who he is, but he's fun. He's exciting. He's a, he's a great leader, and he's comfortable with everybody in the locker room. So, you know, different guys bring different things out of you, but Kirk is well-adaptable, and the guys love him, and, and overall he's a great person deep down inside.
0: And what was that like? I mean, playing with Kirk Cousins, Those a great ball. Everybody knows that. You know, oh, got yeah. a ton of money mm-hmm. to come to Minnesota. But what was what <laughs> was that having like having Kirk Cousins as your quarterback?
1: It was, a, it was a great experience. Kirk's a great guy. He loves football. He loves being a quarterback. He loves being in the locker room. He loves being in the huddle, playing with guys, and you know, giving guys information that can help him be successful. And he makes us successful. So it was a great experience. I enjoyed being, playing football with Kirk. You know We have our times on the football field where everything's going to be great, and then everything's going to be bad. But we still keep fighting. And that's the effort that Kirk always shows is that he keeps fighting.
0: Yeah, and and we've seen Kirk Cousins get fiery every once in a while. Kevin O'Connell's had to calm him down, Uh, whether a receiver ran the wrong route or a guy missed Mm -hmm. a block or or the play that was called, he didn't think it should be called. Uh, Do you Mm -hmm. have like a Kirk Cousins – because you were – I mean, (laughs) do do you like that? We know about that, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Mm -hmm. But Kirk Cousins just, you know, like being fiery, have you seen personally Mm -hmm. where either you ran the wrong route or another guy in the huddle did something wrong?
1: Uh, Most of the time. When 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 somebody runs the wrong route, I don't think he usually gets mad. He kind of is like, ah, man, you know, I wish you would have done that better. But he he gets fired when he completes a pressured play where, like you say, we made a comeback from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And we every day, our bachelor gets the wall and we completed it perfect for the perfect comeback. And that's where that you like that came from. And that's that fired up that we <laughs> we know we always had in him and he showed it to the whole world. And you know, he he doesn't really get mad at, you know, mistakes. He just really gets excited about things that he accomplished the way you're supposed to.
0: Yeah, right. and I mean and and you like that. When you guys start seeing the sound mm-hmm. bite and start seeing that. it maybe mean, it became a meme. <laughs> it was big. Yeah. Um, how did Kirk Cousins kind of because he's he's embraced it? I mean, he, he trademarked mm-hmm. it, he's got t-shirts. Uh, but when it first kind of started going viral, like how was Kirk Cousins in the locker room as everybody started talking about that?
1: Yeah, you know, it was the it was this term that everybody uses towards him now. Uh it was it, he just rode with it, he enjoyed it, you know, it was all natural. We know he didn't plan it, so it was right. it was a great moment, and, and we supported because we needed that and and We know what kind of guy he is, so we're happy that it all went out went out well for him with that. You like that.
0: And and looking at like you know, guys you've gone against cornerbacks, because you've played against mm-hmm. a lot of great cornerbacks. You visited uh with the 49ers, you guys came to Minnesota with Mike Nolan. Cause I, I know you and I mm-hmm. got a chance to chop it up then mm-hmm. when you came back to US Bank Stadium. But thinking about all yes. the great DBs from Harrison Smith, uh to D'Angelo mm-hmm. Hall, I mean, you, you just think about all the guys. Uh, you've, you've gone against, you're like, man, like, I, I battled that guy day in, whether it was Ed Reed or whoever it might be. Who was the guy that you, like, every time you were playing, you circled the calendar, like, this is going to be one of those days?
1: Well, honestly, the guys on, on your team now is Patrick Peterson. You know, we knew okay. him from Arizona, and he always played man-to-man defense. And that's the guy that you have to respect when they're like, hey, my job for today is to guard you around the field all day. You have to respect that because it's it's simple, they right? man to man. And Xavier Rhodes was another great Minnesota DB that played well. Um Harrison Smith, he's, he's been playing safety forever. <laughs> I remember going against him for, for a very long time. But those guys, those guys that are that play physical and man-to-man defense, you know, you can respect them and know it's gonna be a long day.
0: And 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 going back, let's take yourself back to uh, you know, when you scored a touchdown what was like your touch because i don't even remember like i felt like like reggie (laughs) didn't really do much because reggie did like the fist pump thing Uh florida mm -hmm. dance uh marvin did nothing like marvin barely even talked like i remember in (laughs) the meeting room like i would ask a Mm -hmm. question you had an answer reggie kind of would be involved but he'd have his headphones Mm -hmm. on sometimes i learned early like reggie's gonna be reggie but he's always paying attention uh but marvin Mm -hmm. was like uh i mean you know he was in his own world it felt like like he had he was a grown-up you know he was a lot older than everybody Mm -hmm. else uh had his own life he had a bar had Mm -hmm. a restaurant you know like he was living life like he was doing real estate and then when he came to practice it was just he did his job you know marvin went out there Mm and did his job like the only thing they would come to me and say hey man like if i look like i'm not bending over you know, just tap me out, tell me to come out because I'm not going to come out. Like, just get a guy in for me for one play, but I'm going right back in. I'm just letting you know that. That's the yeah. only interaction, like, I would really have with Marvin. Is like, because I remember, I think we were playing Washington Washington uh, in the Hall of Fame mm-hmm. game. I think that's who you guys played in uh, Canton. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget that because the starters yep. played. Yeah, the starters played, I think, one or two series. Uh, that, was your, that was your first game?
1: First game, first NFL game ever. Yep.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, so I <laughs> yep. remember that because the only reason I remember that is because Marvin and Reggie came over to me. And they're like, hey, man, we're only playing like one series. So if I got a go route, I'm going to need these young guys. And I th- I'm guessing it was you. He's like, I'm going to need mm-hmm. these young guys to get in there mm-hmm. after I run a go route. And Reggie on purpose mm-hmm. told Peyton to throw a goal so he could come out and not have to go back in. But when you yeah. think about those, goes Exactly. Yeah. When you think about those mm-hmm. guys, though, man, and in, in the in the lessons uh, you learned and watching the touchdown, they, you know, the way they went about it, professional. Mm-hmm. What 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 became your end zone dance and your celebration?
1: Oh man, I had a couple of them. I I'm always going through life trying to figure out the perfect end zone dance, but you gotta have a lot of touchdowns to have a, a perfect end zone dance because it gets more familiar the more you score. But I always love, you know, pointing at the back of my name. You know, my name was very okay. unique. I always love spinning yep. the ball. Spinning the ball was one of my favorites, uh, and I also love talking trash to the DBs. So those are it was like a mixture of all three in one, depending on how the play was, depending on how far the DB is, and depending on the moment of the game. Because I, you can't really plan a touchdown um, celebration unless you already know you're going to get a touchdown. I was just happy to to receive touchdown passes, and then in the moment, I just did whatever. I didn't I didn't get them often enough to have a solidified touchdown
0: dance. And I, I mean, can, gritty I is gritty. the one that I, can't I, can't, I can't, I can't gritty say, I just, enough. <laughs> I just say, can can you gritty though? Can can you do the gritty? I I, I cannot. You know, that, that
1: was that was that was after my time.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, can you do it now? Like, have you done it? Like, have you been able to do it? I have you? not. I have not attempted. I have not attempted. <laughs> we got to get you to get the gritty <laughs> on, on social media. Everybody, I mean, because no. like Mike Jaceki from the Dolphins. Oh my goodness, his I, is so I, bad. <laughs> like it is, But he's having fun doing it. it, it He's having a lot of Kirk fun. Kirk Cousins has it. done it, and Kirk. Kirk's is better than joseki's I'll give him that. Like Kirk got a little bit of rhythm, but somebody said Kirk it looks is like closer Kirk to Kirk where, is like where originated to it originated
1: from. <laughs> Kirk's is closer to where the originator uh, is
0: at. So you know, Kirk exactly. He's had more practice, more work <laughs> at it. But we got coming up next. We got the daily three. uh That's three mm-hmm. questions, three minutes each. Me and Pierre, Pierre are gonna take a shot at it while Sam throws some questions at us. uh And, and before we do that, remember. Locked On Sports is a proud partner with CARE 11. You can now check out the care11.com backslash locked on for links to every one of our Locked On shows and check out Superior Sports Talks with Reggie Wilson, bringing you all the sports
2: every night on CARE 11. And thanks for making the Ron Johnson Show your first listen today. For your second listen, check out Locked On Sports today. For the games that matter the most, the biggest stories in sports, go behind the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights. Only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Pierre and Ron, I got three questions for you. We will start with this. What is a good Peyton Manning memory, Pierre? that you have from your time with the Colts. And Ron, I know you were there as well as a coach. So uh, we'll start with you, Ron, as from a coaching perspective, Peyton Manning memories.
0: Uh, I mean, mine just sticks out is my interaction with Peyton and Tony Dungy. It's kind of a double. So I was the assistant receivers coach, which basically means I did all the film work, the grunt work. Uh, I got two. Once, I had to do a film cut up. And they were like, hey, here's a bunch of plays Peyton wants to see on film. We're going to watch it. And Pierre might remember this it was like 400 plays that I stayed up all night going through trying to cut up. One play had an interception and Peyton like stood up, <laughs> like, why is there an interception on my cut up tape? Blah, blah, like, and I kind of slunched down in my seat. Reggie Wayne looks over at me like, it was you. Like, why are you gonna let him talk to you like that? <laughs> so I, I'm like, I can't say nothing back to Peyton Manny. So then, but we got outside. I think Peyton realized it was me because he came over to me while they were stretching. He's like, hey man, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to blow up like that. Like, they know I don't like interceptions. I blame the film guys. They're supposed to delete all my interceptions, blah, blah. And I told him, I was like, hey, man. I was like, there was one play of like, I think it was called like 404. I think it was double curl routes or something or double quick digs. Um, and, and Asante Samuel and, like, picked it off of uh, Marvin yep, Harrison. Exactly. I remember yep. taking it back to the house. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the only way I could get that on there. So I had to put it on there. And Peyton was so mad it was on there. But then he realized, like, it was the film guys, not me. So that's one. The other one was Peyton took forever to change plays sometimes. and I was late to get the like cut ups to all the coaches. And Tony Dungey was like, oh, it was Peyton wasn't. And I was like, yeah, he's like, all right, you learning. And I just learned in that, in that moment that Peyton literally was the offensive coach. Like he got Tom Moore and everybody mm-hmm. set. And they were like, look, we're on Peyton's time. When he's ready, we'll get the meeting going. So those are my two. <laughs>
1: oh, man, well, I, I had to. Some crazy moments like that, too, as well. But I also like the games where we played where we kind of knew that we are going to score or we knew that I'm going to get the ball. He's like, hey, Pierre, what route do you like? What route do are you going to run? Because we always loved playing against Tennessee because they played cover two. And and our offense went well against cover two. And Peyton loves hitting the hole shots. And that was one of my first games, having two touchdowns on a Thursday night. So we celebrated and I enjoyed it.
0: Like, did you give Peyton the ball back or did you keep those? But ball- like, what is what was that? Like, have you I kept my balls,
1: <laughs> I, I kept all my balls. <laughs> like I you didn't, you mean didn't mean have like I one can. of his like,
0: like 400 touchdown or whatever. Like you didn't get one of like you weren't involved in any of those moments.
1: I, I, I can't remember, but I was involved in his last touchdown pass as a Indianapolis Colts um, on my oh. playoff game against uh, the Jets. It was his last touchdown pass um, as an Indianapolis coach, so I'm excited about that. And you, and I, I don't it. know where that ball's at. <laughs> I don't know where that ball's at, honestly. <laughs> I might have it because it was a playoff game, but I can't remember exactly where
0: that ball at. Somebody might have to track that ball down. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Peyton's going to one day like look up like, wait a minute, my last touchdown was a mm-hmm. like coach. I wonder what happened to that. You'll get a, exactly. you'll get a text message or a call. Like, hey, hey Pierre, I, I need that ball back, man. I, I'm doing a, I'm doing a special with Eli, and we're talking about mm-hmm. best touchdowns. <laughs> smart man, smart man.
2: <laughs> Question number two, let's talk rookie receivers. Uh, we've had some incredible rookie receiver drafts the past three years, and this year I think no different. Uh, I want to know one rookie receiver that has caught your eye this season. Ron, we'll start with you.
0: Man, it's a tough one for me. Um, I've been so caught up in the stars, to be honest, because DeAndre Hopkins last week, Justin Jefferson the week before that. Uh, we, you know, we were keeping an eye on Stefan Diggs. Uh, you look at CeeDee Lamb. Like, I, I'm, I'm still enamored by Justin Jefferson's draft class. Like, you look at A.J. Brown now killing it with the Eagles. It's tough for these rookies to really jump out, you know. But I'm going to say Chris Olave uh, for the simple fact of the way he takes the top off. Like, Chris Olave... Is a, is a field stretcher. The Saints haven't been doing as well uh, as they thought they would be doing. But Chris Olave, to me, like, I love the way he runs routes. I love his competitiveness. Ohio State right now is putting their claim in for wide receiver U. When you look at Marvin Harrison mm-hmm. Jr., uh, you look at all the guys coming behind them at Ohio State. Like, that's a guy that when I turn on the TV, Chris Olave kind of stands out to me, um, against even against the Vikings. Like, he had an okay Uh, kind of a day but just he's a guy that like as a rookie you're not like ah we ain't got to worry about this rookie let's worry about this guy like he went to the Saints to try to make their offense better to change it uh so that's a guy that jumps off but honestly like there's not a rookie in my opinion this year doing Justin Jefferson type things you know doing A.J. Brown type things when you think about uh Jerry Judy C.D. Lamb and, and what that rookie class did uh this class is getting overshadowed. Like there, it's not it's not what we thought it was gonna be. Um, but you know, Chris Olave, in my opinion, is doing really well. Uh, he's gonna be a really good pro, I think, down the road. I'm on and from a college standpoint, honestly, like I, I bought it up. I'm looking forward to seeing Marvin Harrison Jr. Like you look at his size, mm-hmm. his speed, the plays he makes. Uh, you know, I just watched Ohio State beat the brakes off Wisconsin. That was a fun day to watch the Badgers get their head beat in um like marvin harrison jr i mean a kid wears gucci and louis vuitton cleats like come on like i'm excited to see what this kid does when he gets into the NFL. but yeah that's my one chris olave nice
1: uh well we know marvin harrison jr is going to do well because he he comes to the pedigree of great receivers but my rookie receiver george pickens i'm excited to see him develop you know he's a big player he's playing big you know, he had that great catch on Sunday night against the Miami Dolphins. That was a great touchdown play, but he's been making great catches all year, and I'm excited to see him develop. They have, you know, Chase Claypool there and um, Deontay um, out there as well in Pittsburgh, but he can definitely add to that mixture to be a, a, a weapon, a threat for that offense.
0: Yeah, and I looked at one of the, I think, commander's receivers. I can't remember who it was, but mm-hmm. he says every guy, John every time he plays, no, I don't know if it was the Commanders, but he said every time he plays somebody, he looks at the other sideline and be like, oh, this guy got drafted in front of me. I can't remember who that was. It uh, was
1: a receiver from Detroit, I think. A receiver from oh,
0: Detroit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Amon Mon- Ross. Amon St. Brown? Yeah. St. Brown. I think it was him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was wondering, yeah. did you do that? Like, being from Mount Union, did you ever look at, like, all the receivers <laughs> that got drafted ahead of you? And you're like, Man, I, you, you know, what's funny. When,
1: when I played in NFL, uh, I looked at all the players that went division, three and higher division two and higher because I went division three so I gave all the division three guys respect because they were on the rosters but everybody else I looked at them and I was like all right you got lucky you got lucky and I'm coming to let you know that <laughs> I'm here to play I'm not division three no more I am in the NFL and I deserve to be here <laughs> that was my that was my chip on my shoulder
2: I like that's it that's I like that <laughs> All right. Last one. Offensive coordinators. You both had a number of them in your careers. I want you to reflect on an offensive coordinator that you still have a lot of respect for today. Ron, we'll start with you.
0: Uh, Well, I got to go Joker Phillips. Uh, He became like the pass game coordinator in Minnesota. We we know he ended up being the head coach later for uh, Kentucky. He became the pass game coordinator for Notre Dame. I had him uh, my junior year. He or sophomore year. Actually, he you know, he was the reason why I became who I became. He was. Hard on me about, you know, chest over knees, knees over toes, because at 6'3, I had to get down low. Uh, and so he was one of the guys that started to mold me and help me run routes, help teach me so that I could teach others. Uh, he was a really good teacher. Uh, but then I got to go from an offensive stand. It wasn't a guy I played for, it was Clyde Christensen. Like sitting in meetings with Clyde, like I loved his openness, uh, his willingness yes. to show me what he did with the guys. Like, hey, this is what we do, this is what Peyton's looking for. Uh, you know, when, when you see something, don't be afraid to say it in the headset, um, all that kind of stuff. Like he was, cause you know, when you're in a headset and you got Clyde Christensen, you got Tom Moore, you got Tony Dungy. I'm like, man, I'm not saying nothing to these guys. <laughs> and, you know, he, and, and, and Tony said it too. Tony's like, man, you're only, cause I think I was 30 at that time, 30, 31. And he's like, you know, just cause you're 30 and 31, uh, you know, you and Reggie are the same age. Don't be afraid to tell him what you see. And Tony reminded me that he coached my dad. And and Tom Moore as well with the Steelers. And Tony was like, Man, me and your dad, I was one year older than your dad. And I had to turn around and be DB coach with him and Mel and Mel Blunt was older than him. And he and that I think helped me to understand, like, hey, yeah, like I'm not telling these guys good or bad. I'm just telling these guys what I see. And so I do remember that. Like, I don't think I did the first game. I think like the second game, I start talking in the headset a little bit more, like, hey, I see the safety dropping in the box when Peyton does this. I think we'll have the over the post shot to you know, whoever or you know, hey, when Pierre runs the out route, you know, send Reggie on the on the corner because they're going to jump the out and Peyton to Peyton pumps, blah, blah. So I, I appreciated Clyde giving me all that kind of like, hey, man, like we're helping Peyton as well. So don't be afraid to like tell Peyton when you see something. And so I, I really appreciated Clyde for that because I went in like, like, you know, deer in the headlights. Like Peyton Manning walks mm-hmm. into me and I'm like, oh my God, this dude's six 6'5", legit. Like this is the best quarterback I've seen and you want me to tell him something? So no, I, I appreciated that.
1: That, that that is awesome. Uh, I I definitely agree with having Clyde as the offensive coordinator, as one of the one of the top offensive coordinators that I've worked with. Like you said, his communication is very well. He was my first receiver coach in the NFL, so I definitely understand where you are come from with that. But I also had a lot of different offensive coordinators as far as Kyle Shanahan, um, yeah. Sean McVay, those guys, they Man. were very intricate in the details that they're giving the offensive players. They always had a specific intention on getting the great the, the the number one read the ball and that's what they continue to do with their offenses now and, and that's how I ended up being a part of you know that great offense and producing a lot in that offense and those guys they were intentionally getting their players the ball and knew what the defense would be playing. So those are great offense according to well they helped my game
0: develop. Yeah, and I got a bonus one for you. When you right look at McVeigh, <laughs> when you look at McVeigh, O'Connell and Shanahan, like you've been around them all. Did you kind of see like mm-hmm. all of them were kind of like similar young guns going to be really good coaches one day?
1: Oh yeah, they communicate well with the players and they they know what they want. They know what's going to hit, what play is going to hit and how you should do it, how you should play it. So it, it works out perfect for everybody. So they explain it well and, and they have their intentions when they're communicating it to the players.
0: Well, man, I want to thank Pierre for joining me on the Ron Johnson show today. And remember, if you want endless Vikings talk, make sure you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota on YouTube, where you can find all of our videos, instant podcasts after every game, and the Vikings press conference is delivering all the biggest news. Like our videos and leave your comments in the section below. Let us know what you think. Is the Are the Vikings a real deal 6-1 team, or have they just gotten through by luck like a lot of people think? Like, comment, let us know what you think. And make sure you subscribe, download, and tell your friends about it. Have a great day.